Hey you guys, welcome to Recollect Season 3. Season 3? Yep, Season 3. Episode 1. Kafi, Allah, and I are in conversation. We call this episode Black and Foraging, Connecting with the Generations Before and to Come. So is this you, where you're like walking in the woods and you're like, oh yeah, I've seen that plant my entire life and I didn't know what that was. I sure didn't know you could eat it. The COVID pause, it sent a lot of us to walking in the woods and looking at stuff and trudging on it. But most of us, myself included, still didn't know what we were looking at. Kafi and I have done a lot of hiking and identifying since then, sharing stories and knowledge along the way. So join us for one of our post-hike conversations where we talk about how we know what we know about being out in the woods from our mothers and their mothers and the things that we have taught our children and their children. We also talk plenty about the things that we don't know anything about. So Kafi, she is a wealth of knowledge. She is a librarian. She is a black forager. And she can hold a conversation, black Southern woman style, with some stories that have held us both on the front porch or on the edge of the woods until long after the frogs start croaking. Her and I have that in common. I hope y'all are able to recollect and recollect and reconnect yourselves to the feast that is in the bush. And don't worry, we give you all some tips on where to go and how to get started. You know, so, 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 so anyway, and then there's other shit we can do. Like we can eat right. We can, we can, we can turn our attention with my, with my daughter. I always used to call it positive, healthy distractions, you know? Hmm. Yeah. And I did that today with myself. That's what my walks are. They're, they kind of sometimes start out that way. They mostly are just like, oh, yeah, I'm getting ready to go play in the woods. But a lot of times, like today, I needed the positive, healthy distraction, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when I'm out in the woods and I am, like, allowing myself to just be, and then I start seeing things and hearing things that make me curious. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is good. And then I then it's like... Then the attention in my brain goes away from all the stuff of what had happened. And it goes, right. it just, and then, then I, all of a sudden I find, oh, I'm not feeling low anymore. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's energizing for me too, I think. Um, it almost feels like meditation in a way. When I'm out in the woods with Siegfried, like we're usually very quiet. Um, and I'm not always out there to forage, but just to kind of take stock of the land and connect and see what's happening. Um, like, oh, this is out right now, or this isn't out. Um, and look at just how things are going in terms of the seasons, Uh, you know, especially like right when spring begins or when it's getting towards fall and you start seeing those telltale signs and it's like excitement. Or it's like, oh, it's getting ready to start getting cold. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or like, what are the animals doing? Um, They've started, well, not started. I guess it's been going on for almost a year now, construction in one of my usual foraging spots. And it's right along um, a place where two creeks intersect, Crystal Creek and Warren Creek. Yeah. And so I haven't been 
too far out um, just because there's stuff going on. Um, and Siegfried is like a child. He like sees the trucks and is like, oh my God, I'm so excited. <laughs> but I want to see like, you know, they're a beaver along the creek. And so I'm like, you know, how has that affected them? It's definitely affected the deer. Oh yeah. They're all over the place. They're back up behind my apartment, um, rabbits too. And it's usually not that way just because there's not that many trees and there are so many dogs over here. Yeah. Uh, and also. And so the fact that I've been seeing them um, more often, their tracks in this area has been a little bit concerning. Um, so I'm just, you know, interested to see what's happening otherwise. But like, yeah, it really it always changes my spirit when I'm able to be out a lot, when it's cold and wet and I'm not able to go out, like I can definitely see the difference. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Me me too. Yeah. I've been actually like, I guess I started maybe like a year and a half ago, just going out even when it's like raining and cold, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Because I, I kept feeling like, I guess, yeah, this must've been, yeah, a little more than a year ago, I started doing that, like winter of, like January of 2021, because, you know, I was like, when I was in and being like, oh, it feels so blue, I feel so this, I feel so that, I did an experiment, I was like, what if you went out, and yes, it's 30 degrees outside, and it's gloomy and even drizzling, you know, what if you put on your rain gear and you went on your hike? And it was fascinating because Ooh. I I did the the sort of like the sort of like, oh my gosh, I'm producing way too much melatonin and I might fall asleep at any second. Um, that feeling <laughs> went away. And again, the sense of wonderment, you know, because I was Ooh. looking at things that I walk past all the time, but I never see them in that state. I never see them on a cold, cloudy day when there's water on them, you know? That's interesting. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. And one day I saw a heron that, um, well, I see those often, but but not so close up. I saw one that was fishing, and I don't think it expected anybody to walk by. It was like, oh, you know, because I was like the <laughs> only, only person out there. And uh, I saw, yes, was it yesterday? Yesterday I saw an owl. Um, oh, yeah, about this time of day where I don't usually see them because I'm, you know, because right. Yeah, I, I guess I was out there and with nobody else out there, you know. <laughs> yeah. So um. So anyway, yeah. So just being out there, like I don't know, it, it helps me some, you know, especially if I'm feeling some kind of way because of uh, people. But then I get, I don't know, while while we're having this conversation, I find myself getting, like, if I was in charge, uh, <laughs> period. <laughs> like, I find myself getting some kind of way about, like, why should anybody be having to feel like that at all? Why should we be making each other feel like shit like that? That we gotta, Ooh. that we gotta be consistently, this, that some of us, have to consistently be mitigating our sense of mental well-being 
and just mm. consistent. Not that we're supposed to be happy all the time, but just your level, your 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 uh your equilibrium, your levelness. Why do why is that like constantly for some of us? Not constantly, but often, like this thing you got to do. I don't know. Capitalism. That's like a random blanket. Yeah. But I feel like it's come up a lot, um, particularly during the pandemic, of people talking about what productivity means and how there had been like, you know, this prioritization of like work and, you know, productivity levels over whether or not you are well or healthy or safe. And people started to look at that like, hmm, (laughs) like just having being um, able to take that kind of time out when everybody was at home um, because things had just started and nobody knew what to do. Um, Like if you were able to be at home Mm -hmm. and people were looking around like, hey, my this job doesn't really care about whether I'm well or not. They just want this thing made or this thing done. Yeah. Um, and that like, oh, that shifted my point of view a whole lot about yeah. things. And I, I hope a lot of other people's as well, where it's like you can't rely on your like your job is your job and you can't rely on it to make sure that you are in balance or healthy. Mm-hmm. Like you have to set boundaries and make sure that you do that yourself. Um, otherwise, like, why are we working, you know, nine to five, Monday through Friday or whatever? Like that, when do you do anything? You know what that, I'm saying? It, yeah, like it, exactly. Like washing clothes and going grocery shopping and then Sunday, you know, you got to rest. And then you write back at work. Like, when do you have time to do anything? Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're 20 and, you know, no, you're going to the club or something on a Tuesday night. They're not <laughs> having that like, either. I can't do it. I know, and they're not having that either. And it doesn't make and it doesn't make any sense. And it's good that things. Well, it's not good that COVID happened, but it's really good that that people stopped for a minute. It was a pause, and that pause, like people being starting to say, "Wait a minute, I need a union." Because right. yeah, because I need some some entity, some organization, some something. Of that is a larger group of people that I am connected with con- concerning my work that is looking out for my well-being as opposed to mm-hmm. literally throwing my body in the machine as fodder. And that being, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and it being the most important thing that you just work, you know. But my head hurt, Absolutely. you just work. But I didn't eat lunch yet, you just work. But, you know, you know. Yeah, some of these... You know, from like I you know I'm speaking from like this position of like privilege in a way where like my job is I'm sitting down and I'm like you know <laughs> pretty much like it's not a like very physically taxing. Um, but like some of these other people's like maybe like at Kellogg's or Post or whatever that I had been seeing like their whole strike and you know people working you know 14 15 days in a row Ugh. and you know it's you know, 18 hours or something like, what are you talking about? Like, how is that allowed? Like, how is that happening exactly. in the U.S. right now? Make cereal. <laughs> how is it? Yeah, how is how that? How is that going on? 
Um, and just like, wow, you know, getting paid not enough to do anything after that. And so people were looking around like, okay, so you asking me to risk my life and I'm not making any money. Exactly. <laughs> like I still am not able to pay all my bills on time. So Zelda can have a bowl of cereal. I'm not going. <laughs> exactly. I'm not going. So that so that so that the bowl of cereal that they're you know the box of cereal that they making they can't even afford to buy it, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It doesn't even make so. My daughter and I were talking about that that the farm that the farmers one aren't allowed to, and then also can't they can't afford to eat well they can't eat their own crops because it's kind of like those crops are under contract <laughs> yes yes fucking insane you know yes. and the malnourished farmers i mean what the fuck we have gone to hell in a hand basket <laughs> I was like, I'm going to get on a Monsanto rant or slash Bayer now. And I was like, how do you, the medicine company, and you own this pesticide brand and, you know, these seeds and whatnot. But just like um, the suicides among Indian farmers and like oh, how it, yeah. it feels like, it's like you're creating a whole sharecropping system where the farmers don't even own the plants. Like you own the plant. Yeah. <laughs> like, and like you creating these monocultures that's messing up the soil and like the entire environment in the area like yeah yeah like i don't like to use words like evil but i was like <laughs> well yeah well if you well, if you put it in the context of the you know marvel comics <laughs> then, <laughs> then, then yes it's fucking evil <laughs> super villain mess like what is going on exactly so look so then when we're picking food like how do we avoid how do we find food to pick when you're foraging that is i guess called like first generation so for instance i um i so i i looked at i was looking at old pictures of a hike that i had taken at um I'm gonna forget the Johnson's Johnson's Mill um, trail that I had taken last summer, and I saw, and I was like, "Oh, I know now what that flower is that I saw," and so it was like it was passion flower or what maypop or whatever it's called, and so I went back to that trail to look for it this fall. And I found the like seed pods. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, I'll take some, you know, I won't, you know, pillage and, but I'll take some. And, um, but then I also had the, some questions in my head. Like, I was like, okay, well, I can be fairly sure since it's not, you know, Duke Forest or something like that, that these haven't been treated, but I can't be sure, sure that they haven't been treated, mm. you know? Yeah, and I don't know what you know about that, but any what do you know about about that, or just like safe places to for people to forage? Because it's one thing for me to say to to people, um, you know, get an an edible plants book, or come with us on a hike so that you can learn to start identifying, which is beautiful and fun and something we need to get back to. It's like if you can't identify right. 
the plant life around you and what you can and cannot eat. That's problematic. Um, it is. Yeah. It is. In so many ways, not even about whether or not you eat a thing, um, but just I feel like when you're completely removed from those things, you have no knowledge of them. It's very easy to discard them. So you're not paying attention to like, well, what is, you know, what is what happens when we're doing um, commercial landscaping and they're using pesticides? Like, how does that affect um, the overall plant life community? How does that affect like not just the plants, but like the small animals in your area and just your area in general? Yeah. Um, my dog has um, a growth on his leg and yeah. I feel like I can't be certain, but I feel it's non-cancerous, but I feel pretty certain it has to do with um, what they spray over here. So they spray something that does something to the plants that keeps them from producing yeah. so that they're not making flowers or fruits or anything. I mean, just this kind of random weed stuff type stuff that, you know, happens to be edible, but it's not anything that, you know, anybody is concerned about, but it will deform the plants in such a way that they do end up with like these growths and things. And I was like, Hmm. <laughs> yeah. What does that do to any of us like we're just walking around over here so what is that how is that affecting me how is that affecting like the water and all of this Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so I don't know but I think that I mean honestly I'm I'm trespassing a lot (laughs) (laughs) what is that we we won't even go there like what that means and how we've all (laughs) how we've all how all of us um, human animals, which we forget we're animals, how all the human animals have bought into it. None of the other animals have bought into it, but we sure did buy into that one. You know? Right. It feels like, like I always have this kind of concept of like the real world and then there's like the social world. Yeah. So there's a social world that we make. Um, that, you know, it's not, it's not like, it's not real because like we created it and we live in it, Yeah. but there's also like a more real, like the earth is moving and like the sun is coming. And I feel like if you don't connect with that, like you do something to yourself, Mm -hmm. um, like physically, emotionally, and then in turn physically, um, And so I'm always trying to reconnect. I was definitely not as happy um, when I first started um, back foraging. I used to, my mom and I used to go out when I was very, very little Mm -hmm. um, before uh, before she went back to work after she had me. I was maybe like six or seven. Yeah. Um, So she was just at home. And we would always go out and, you know, she'd be like, do you hear that bird? It sounds like this. Or do you see this insect? Or like, look at this plant. This is what it's called. And I really enjoyed that time in our life um, because after that, like she was working full time and going to school full time and we didn't see each other much. Yeah. And then the teen years happened where we were not <laughs> friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, she passed away. Um in December of 2013 and it was like I hadn't expected because she had been sick um, and she was 
like in stage four um, cancer mm-hmm. when we found out. Oh, and yeah. so like, felt like I had prepared myself for it, but I had not. It was like this kind of this hole where she had been. And I missed her a lot, like this time of year. Um, she'd always be in her garden and things like that. Yeah. But I always remember that time when that we spent together when we'd just be, you know, out on a walk, you know, looking at things yeah. um, and how exciting that was for me when I was younger. Um, and so I hadn't been like foraging since I was maybe a kid. Like we'd always, you know, get mulberries or like other oh, types yeah. of random. I was walking around eating stuff. Like speaking of pesticides, like I'm just eating all kinds. Of, I ain't washing nothing off. I'm just like eating a flower. Yeah, but um, I love my like berries. I went through a hard period after that, and so this was kind of a way to bring me back into balance. Um, and I didn't know much. Like the things that grow here are very different than what grows um, where I grew up in Florida. Yeah. So I was like, we're going to figure out what's here. And I was like, what are these creeks that are nearby? Like there, there's a creek that's on this property. There's one right down the street. There's lots of water around here. Yeah. Um, even though the Eno is kind of, you know, tiny and rocky, like there's a whole lot that's going on around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've enjoyed that, just kind of getting to know what's here, um, and just being out, you know, whether I pick anything or not, or whether I intend to do anything, just being out and like having that connection with the land and like with her and now with my grandson, um, yeah. like he's four and we're not like super duper into anything. But I remember like, even at that age, um, like having like a reverence for plants and like just the world uh, around me. And if he doesn't have anything for me, I would like to give him that. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that. That is so beautiful. That is so beautiful. And that you can pass that uh, on to your, your grandson. That's so beautiful. My daughter and I used yeah. to um, do that. Uh, like, and, and now I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, Zelda, you and Alex used to do that when she was a toddler on rainy days. Sometimes I, yeah. I think that something is is new that I'm doing in my life. And it's actually I'm remembering and doing it like you were just saying. So doing it again after having done it, you know, um, that's how she learned everything that's here on this land when she was little. And then her friends, she might have a play date or something. You know, she's like three or four. And another friend is like, don't eat. She's eating the grass, you know, and Alex would be like, I'm not eating the grass. I'm eating sorrel flowers. Here, taste it. It tastes like sweet tarts, you know. (laughs) (laughs) My son used to do that same thing. Like he would just be out and pop a clover in his mouth. And I'd be like, look, you can't just do this everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it works in some spots. It doesn't work in other spots because you could poison yourself with the the stuff that they spray on some lawns, you know, which is just like, oh my God, horrific, you know? Yeah. Yes. I swear, like the whole 
I, I like I've seen a lot of like kind of movements where people are rethinking lawns. Um, and like I get it because like I swear like you have not known anyone serious about lawns until you have met someone trying to grow grass in a place where grass ain't supposed to grow. I'm telling you, people oh are serious God. about their lawns in Florida. <laughs> like so serious. And when I first moved into um the house that I was living in, I had lost my mind. <laughs> like I was ordering special grass seed and like tilling and doing all this stuff. And I was just like, what is <laughs> why is any of that necessary? Like I didn't end up like doing like any kind of spray anything. Like True Green Kim Kimlon will come to your house and put something wow. on it to dye your grass green. But I was like, I didn't want to do that. But like it's you know so unnecessary. Like just let the stuff that's supposed to grow there grow. Exactly. It's but it's the it's, it's absolutely the, But it's dealing with the. It's some people like don't want to feel the feelings of what their neighbors will think. But it's good that I see a lot of people beginning to get over that. And so it's a, now it's a thing. Like in some neighborhoods to be like you know leave your lawn or let the bees have the um. The flowers, you know, uh, weeds are flowers too. And what's another one I've seen? Leave your leaves, you know, and different oh, ones yeah, like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like you've been, like, we're talking about, like, how things, you know, replicate. Like, you're putting this on your lawn today, and, like, we're killing pollinators. Like, things are becoming extinct, like, not far away. Not yeah. some other time, like right now. Which means we're and killing like, ourselves. Our food supply and everything. And yeah. Like, this is important. Like what you're putting on your, like, you know, let that seven dust go. Oh my God. Yeah. Out. I can't even think about <laughs> that. Like, let that stuff go. Let that roundup go. Yeah. Let I can't even go. think about that. What, um, you know, so for people who, are listening who are like well what am i supposed to do and what does foraging have to do with all of this stuff and you know and and what can i do just today you know like if i want to go for a walk today and i don't know anything about foraging like you know what can i do you know what am i supposed to be doing <laughs> <laughs> i would say um maybe like the first steps are just to be out and notice anything that's flowering more so than anything that's making a berry or a fruit. Um, anything that's flowering. And like, I mean, there are definitely books you can get. Um, I've got a foraging book that I checked out from the library um, right now. So you can get all kinds of like Southeastern foraging or whatever um, to go um, to help you out. But you can also just, look online kind of google like purple flower that's growing close to <laughs> yeah like, there are a bunch of like little apps that will like you can take a picture and it will kind of identify based upon like community input but yeah. they're not all free um I have but i mean you know it. a lot of things you can just look up you know purple flowering weed and like your area and things would come up pretty. I mean, like the things that people are foraging at a specific time are pretty common. Like right now, henbit is up and dead nettle, um, things like that. Um, 
and that's you know stuff that there are a billion blogs about and whatnot so yeah. and it'll be like something like oh yeah i've seen that plant my entire life and didn't know what it was or that you could eat it or that it was good for pollinators or you know that it did this or that to the soil um to help keep it healthy um so that's a good way to start i think that taking time to learn what things are not just while they're flowering, but what they look like out of season as well yes. mm-hmm. is probably a good thing to do before you think about picking anything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so thinking about making sure that you're absolutely sure you can identify something like by smell and by look and what it looks like different times of the year Um is a good thing to do and also possibly like when's the best time to pick something um things taste different different times of the year whether they're fresh or dried um and also taking time to think about where you're gathering a thing from um like definitely not anything in a space that's cultivated um Yeah. yeah i will say though that a lot of times um People are, when people are spraying for things, they're most focused on the grass. Um, So if you can get away from a place that's near a lawn of any kind, then that's that's a good start. (laughs) Yeah, and and away from from any water. Yeah, away from any water that has run through where the grass is, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's true. Absolutely. We're we're in North Carolina where a lot of people still um, kind of prize wooded areas. Yeah. Um, I would say that it's not necessarily so in a lot of other places. Like, it's almost like offensive, it seems like, to have any kind of thing growing that's not been cultivated or specifically planted. I think we're a little bit... There's still a whole lot of country going on yeah. in these areas. We're lucky. So I think that there are a lot of people who are comfortable with that or want to see that. Um, so you, I feel like once you're away from like a, a cultivated space, um, you'll start to see a lot more things. And then, you know, I would use your own judgment in terms of whether it's a safe place um, to pick anything. Like, I definitely didn't have those concerns about, like, picking fruit or plums or anything um, growing up. Yeah. Um, But definitely now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Especially since more people spray. You know, when when I was a kid and in Mississippi, too, there was, like, you know, people didn't spray. If there was, like, a fruit tree growing on their land or something, they they weren't spraying the fruit. It was just, it was what it was. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Yeah. It's also like a cost associated with it. A so what? like it was like, why would I spend money to do that? Oh, like, a cost. Like, just more all yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Big time. Yeah. So it's just like you know, um, instead growing certain flowers near um, the plant so that the you know the bugs or or whatever won't get the plant because it's growing certain kinds of flowers near it. You know. Like I had to grow up to realize why there were marigolds growing near the tomatoes, you know, in my fam- in my different you know family members' gardens when I was a kid. I had to grow up to realize that it's like oh, to keep the bugs off the tomatoes, 
you know? I had a conversation with someone recently about marigolds because they had a specific smell yeah. um, when I was growing up. And yeah, my mom would always say like, this is helpful to keep like certain bugs away. But when I see them now, they don't have that smell. And I was like, people... <laughs> Yeah, but um, but, but yeah, the smell. Oh, do you know? So the smell when I was a kid, it had like a they had like a weird metallic smell to them, and that's I don't that you're right. They don't really smell like that anymore. And so I was like, oh, I wonder if they if they do the same things is whatever chemical or whatever that was in the plant that was making that smell has that brim bred out. Um, so that do they are they even effective like as like natural pest control now and I was like hmm so I feel like I've spoken about that more than one time and at, at first I was like am I treating like is that a thing that I really remember <laughs> <laughs> the marigold conversation <laughs> right? and also like Nobody cares about this. Yes, they do. But I feel like I've heard it enough times. Where I, I was care. like, these people do care about this. <laughs> yeah, like working. So the the Eno River would be a place to go. Um, generally, state parks are are safe because the and even um national even the national park service because they they the forestry they for the most part. So I'm like saying that in like cringing a little bit at the same time but for the most part they're seriously concerned about the ecosystem of the forest you know so right yeah I think it, it might be slightly illegal well you know I, I have a lot of feelings about particularly at at state parks um I have a lot of feelings like you know about what I'm allowed to take and not and why, particularly if it's like on land that my people have lived on. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I feel like I'm having to like I'm not allowed to gather elderberries here, but like this whole space that you didn't take in from like Yeah. <laughs> from my own <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Strange. That does feel strange. But and I, I forgot about that. It's like, oh yeah, Zelda, you can't tell people to go and forage on state land but it's just like state land is doing a conservatory thing but conserving it for what if you can't pick anything and so but then the the i mean of course people should not and this is a a, a habit that some of us might have from living amongst the colonizers is don't go out in the woods and be like um, oh, I see blah, 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 and then go and pick it all. I mean, you have to be mindful of that you're in an ecosystem. Um, take, if you want to take a piece and identify it, and I usually don't pick, like if I see wild ginger and I want to like pick a, a piece just to, you know, smell it or to hold it or keep it with me, um, I won't pick it. If I, if I only see like, there's only three leaves here, you know, it's like, then leave it. But if you see a bumper crop Absolutely. of something, you know. Absolutely. And like to remember that not everything um, is going to always come back. So when you see a plant there, like it might only be there for that season. Um, and it might have even taken a couple of seasons to make anything that's edible for um, plants or for pollinators or for anything that's around. 
So I, um, heal all is a plant that I look for a lot because um, it's spell good for it. so many things. How do you spell never it? find enough to take any, um, just, you know, heal, um, all. And I th- sometimes people will spell it with a, a hyphen in the middle. Heal. Oh, H-E-A-L um, and then A-L-L. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never find enough of it any place to feel comfortable picking it. Um, that and also um, blue bone set. Like I see the white, like the white just grows all over. <laughs> you don't find it yeah. <laughs> anywhere, like some roadside, whatever. And it's very tall and it has a very distinct kind of musky smell. Um, so whenever I'm going out to my dad's, um, any place like out in the county where you can tell people have been like, yeah, ain't no spraying finna happen here. I'm running the riding lawnmower over this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and whatever happens, happens. <laughs> I feel like, you know, there is always, there are always, always this kind of almost like abandoned places or like kind of scrub woods that are like between places, like a place that hasn't been developed or whatever. Um, so I do kind of look for that, like not any place that's going to like get me shot, <laughs> like, <laughs> these kind of places that are just like, yeah, no one has developed there and maybe no one will because there's no city water out here mm-hmm. <laughs> type of situation. Oh no, that, trust um, me that like up behind here, they put in five bedroom houses, uh, and put them all on wells. Um, uh, but that's a whole other <laughs> That's a whole other story. And just like, you think people are ready for that, but they know they're not. <laughs> exactly. And that's a whole other story. When you when you come to um when we go foraging um uh, with the with women from the studio, um, where should we go? Should we come here? Um, should we go elsewhere? Like where should we go? Are you in Orange? Yeah. Maybe that's a, a better place. Um, County, yeah. I'm feeling like in Durham, um, we'd have to definitely leave the city of Durham, um, which then is a whole other situation about whether or not you're safe. Um, yeah. <laughs> a person once you leave the I city know, of Durham, right? which is very sad. Um, but maybe so. Let me look at some some places like there are definitely there i feel like there are places that we have walked that and i was like i'm not exactly sure what the status of this area is because it changes from one park to another park yeah um and so i'm not exactly like is it, who is this run by is this the city park service or like what's going on and some of it is a land um, conservatory so um Maybe what you and I can do is go do some uh, some pilot hiking, um, yeah. and see yeah, and see see what's the best place to go. Um, and you know, foraging doesn't have to necessarily mean taking anything. Exactly. Like you can also, you know, go and take pictures of things, and like just being like, I'm giving away um, some seeds at the the library um, of just kind of random stuff. So chicory in March and Heath Astor in April. And like, part of my goal is like, Hey, this stuff grows around you all the time. <laughs> like what's yeah. your conscious of it? You know, maybe you'll be more careful about, I'm not going to cut this down or I'm not gonna, 
mow it over or spray it or what. Yeah. Like, this is a useful thing. These are important for, you know, honeybees and other pollinators. Um, like I recognize it in my area. Yeah. Yeah. And let me know when you want to go on a, um, you know, on a hike, there's Brumley Forest, there's uh, Johnson Mill. And I feel like those, I think those are both uh, land, con the land conservatory um, runs mm -hmm. those. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, and that's what I was thinking too, when I was out in the, in the woods at, um, what is it? Shepherd's um, Trail um, in Duke Forest, where they don't do a lot of messing with it because it's uh, historically part of an old farm. Um, so they don't do as much experimenting um, with things out there. Um, so there's stuff that you can identify. And then they even have little boards uh, where you can look at what's on the board and see if you can find it. Um, but yeah, yeah. And I was thinking about how it doesn't necessarily, like you were saying, it didn't have to be about picking anything. Because sometimes that can also be dangerous when you're like, is this it? And it's like, no, that's poison ivy, boo. You know? <laughs> <laughs> It's like it could be about taking some pictures of some stuff, you know, and uh, and having that be the 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 beginnings of things, yeah. So um, yeah. So yeah. So um, so Kafi Allah, uh, librarian, uh, and a forager, and a native Floridian, and <laughs> a grandma. And a mom and a super powerful, beautiful, um, bald, uh, lovely black woman. Um, yeah, all the things. <laughs> and a good friend, a good hiking buddy, a good hiking buddy. We always have amazing conversations when we go hiking. Yes, yes. Like, you're, they're always eye-opening. And I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> so like you have you have all this wisdom. <laughs> all this wisdom. I was like, oh, let me just write down what you said. <laughs> well, well, it's good for me too because when we be when we be talking, it's not just you know, it's not just the wisdom. It's the it's the reverb in the conversation, like the things that you say back to me, and then it reminds me of something. And then I always come home too, and I'm like, huh. And then I'm holding the conversation all week and also sharing pieces of it with other people. And so the conversation, you know, like grows and grows like those tributaries off oh. of the Eno. There's the Eno. But then it's like, oh, my God, there's all these creeks, you know, <laughs> and that's how it feels like. It feels like that conversations have tributaries coming off of them. And I end up sharing with other people and just learning all kinds of stuff from when we talk. So... Yeah, yeah. So, listeners, recollect is member supported, subscription supported, and listener supported. So, drop some coins so that we can have more of these conversations and continue to tune in because all of these conversations are directly and indirectly about um, detoxing, decolonizing. Uh, liberating yourself, um, learning more about the world that you live in that's outside of your body and inside of your body, and all of the stories in your life that are connected to them. So um, so keep tuning in, and if you know something, you better say something.